I'm here today with James Harris, and for anybody who's worked with reptiles or amphibians in Europe, that's a very familiar name, because James has been all around Mediterranean mostly, I guess, right? And mostly, man. mostly collecting reptiles, amphibians, lizards, snakes, and now they're parasites as well, and um, writing a lot of papers about them. I've tried to find how many papers you've written, but you know, one source is like over 100, the other is like 316. Uh, any idea how many? Yeah, I think it's probably over 300 by now, if you can't hear Okay. There's a lot of small notes in there. Oh, yeah. Really small bits and pieces that get together. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, if you think I've been doing it for, I think the first time I went to Morocco was in 94. Uh-huh. Maybe, or maybe 95, that sort of time. So... It's quite a long time now. <laughs> it's a bit scary when you look back. Big a lot of things. Yeah. And that's so mostly Morocco. Yeah, I mean the I went the first herping trip I did was to Morocco. Um I went with my PhD supervisor as a fresh PhD student. I didn't actually really enjoy it that much. It's a surprising thing. Um well it was I lost my luggage. Okay. Um or at least my luggage never turned up. Uh so that was a bit bit tough because i had to do the whole trip wearing the same clothes and this was came from england yes yes they did and in those days there weren't even direct flights to southern morocco so i had to, we flew to gibraltar and changed planes in gibraltar with dad wagadir um and yeah my luggage never turned up uh and that had a lot of safety equipment in it which was annoying i didn't have it so we had to run around trying to get um in particular alcohol was mm. the complicated one because of course we take genetic samples, mostly what I, I work on, and we didn't have any alcohol. And it's quite difficult, especially in those days, particularly difficult. Uh, you wander around pharmacists in Morocco saying desperate <laughs> large quantities of alcohol, um, and people look at you very nervously. Yeah. But anyway, I think it was more just the stress. I, I, I hadn't been anywhere like that before. People constantly, um, you know, trying to talk to you every time you stopped you immediately got people trying to sell you things i found it more stressful than i expected so i, I well time i got back i was quite happy to to get out of it i mean i enjoyed it. yeah it wasn't it it was it was stressful oh. uh, and so yeah it's quite funny now that i've been uh 20 or 30 times since then <laughs> yeah i was uh, about to say how many times have you been but pretty much every year since every year except for covid so from, well, from 2000, I started going back in 2000. Um, so I went first as a PhD student. In 2000, I already had my, my PhD. So I actually went with a PhD student uh, between them. And um, yeah, since 2000 until now, the only years we did go was the two years with COVID. And every now and then, twice. And so, I mean, we're working in Portugal. So it's very convenient destination to take students. Because you can drive there in one day, leave early in the morning, and just drive down, get the ferry, be in Morocco by evening. And it's the right sort of level of difficulty for students to get an idea of whether they enjoy field work. <laughs> you know, it's it's not easy. I mean, it's Morocco. It's, it's certainly not just crossing the border into Spain. Um, but it's not so, you know, you can 
you can do things relatively easily. And we can drive down to everything in the back of the car, take our tents and our cooking equipment and things you need. So it's really been very, very handy as a, as a place to train students. And now I've got lots of contacts there. I mean, they started off as just people at the university we talked to, but um, I've been working with some of them now for quite a few years. So it, it, it's really worked very well. Yeah, no, I've, 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 I've had the pleasure of going to the field with you. So, uh, yeah, it's great. I, I love Morocco. Uh, also, not just because it's convenient, but it's also one of the more beautiful countries you can visit in North Africa. Yeah, it's, there's not many places that in such a short time you can go from Mediterranean-type landscapes through really high mountains mm -hmm. and then down the other side into the proper first dummy desert and yeah. really hard, hardcore desert. So to see all of that in a short period, yes, pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. And in 2005, you said you went there? Yeah, so, I mean, most of the work we've done is, uh, yeah, it's, it's essentially collecting samples for, for genetic analyses. Usually we've got, like, a target group, so we might be working on a particular um, lizard that we think is is more than one species, mm -hmm. and that's our main focus. But, of course, you collect other things as you go along. So, I mean, as an example, like snakes, you don't go somewhere and just catch 30 snakes. It's never fair. But if you go to Morocco 30 times, then obviously each time you catch one or two, and, and particularly tend to find dead ones, unfortunately, so you catch road kills. Um, and then suddenly after a while, you look back and say, well, oh, quite a big collection. And now we think of we never would have thought to look at initially. Um, so, so, yeah, there's always the target species that we're particularly looking for and then there's just places where you just stop and you think, oh, this looks like this. Yeah, and it's a lot of driving around, right? I mean, as you sit in the car, you drive around and ah, people get tired, so you say, oh, let's just stop here, this is nice, we might see something interesting. Mm. It's just, you know, um, and so that that does happen quite a lot. And on that particular trip, of course, this was quite an early trip for me, um, so I'd only been, let's say, five or six times. I still wasn't that experienced. Um, and I was with some other herpetologists from here. So, um, Miguel Canatero, who's a Spanish herpetologist who travels a lot with me, and also Anna Pereira. Yeah, I should get. Yes, yes, he kept saying. I'm not sure if you like this. Um, and Zay Carlos, who, uh, has, who did his PhD with snakes and in particular with, with Portuguese vipers. So he's very interested in. In vipers, but the Portuguese one in particular is interesting because it's a very small snake. It's it's uh, maybe thirty centimeters or something. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a pretty small, fairly innocuous viper. Um, so in Morocco with yes. a great team of herpetologists. So so what's it like? And we just you know get an idea. So you're driving around. It's hot, I imagine. Yeah, of course. I mean, in particular, I mean, um, as you get further south, obviously it gets hotter. Um, this particular day, we just, I mean, we were driving through more eastern Morocco, so out towards the Algerian side, mm -hmm. um, and we thought we'd just stop and, and stretch our legs and have a walk around and see what we saw. And it was a very steep uh, piece of habitat, um, sort of rocky desert, uh -huh. mostly mostly open rocks, and we were just sort of walking around, just seeing, seeing what we might find. And um, basically, I, I thought, I'll just stop, take a pee behind this very large rock. 
a nice sort of secluded spot to go. How's that? And uh, and you know you look down, see where you're you're pointing, and there was a very large lake um, in a crevice down there. And and now at this point, I mean, I my PC was on lizards, not snakes, so I've had less experience in in handling large snakes back then. So my immediate reaction was, oh, better call over some some assistance for this. So Miguel was closest, so I shouted to Miguel. And I said, Miguel, Miguel, come and have a look at this. Um, and then explained to him that no, he was to have a look at the snake on the ground. <laughs> and Miguel, Miguel saw this very large snake in silk. That's that's what in those days was called macrovivia. Okay. So it's a very large poison snake. Yes. And he said, very yes, and to see a live live one like that was was a real pleasure. Um, so we thought, oh no, we need we need to call Zay Carlos over for this because uh, he's got the experience handling the vipers and he's it's it's his thing. So so we called uh, Zay Carlos over, and I mean the snake like that's well over to yeah, maybe a meter twenty. It's a big and and poisonous snake. So Zay Carlos, of course, puts on his his large. I mean they're basically Viking gloves, thick, thickening mm-hmm. the gloves so that if you get bitten by hand. And uh, but by the time we get there, obviously people moving around, the snakes realise that there's there's people about, so yeah. it slides off into a into a crevice. But Sekolas gets a good look, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I really I really want to catch this. So let's let's go away for a few hours. This will be its, it's you know its its home territory. So let's let's go off and look around in other areas, but let's come back here in a couple of hours mm. and see if we can get it." So. So we went off, and a couple of hours later we come back, and we're all sort of you know spread out over, over the bit of hillside, looking to see if uh, if we can find it. And then uh, suddenly Miguel sort of shouts, "Oh, I've seen it! It's here! It's here!" And it's a, a really here I say it was really steep incline, mm. and Miguel's standing up above us, and and there and myself, and Miguel tries to and oh. The other thing I suppose I should mention is when we catch lizards, most of the time we carry uh, fishing rods. It may sound like a strange thing to do in the desert, but you put a small noose on the end of the fishing rod and it's an ideal way you just noose it over the head of the lizard and it's a very handy technique for catching lizards. So Miguel's got a fishing rod. So he sees the snake and the snake, of course, is scared and starts heading back towards its, its crevice. So... Miguel tries to get the fishing rod under the snake to stop it getting into the crevice, mm-hmm. and pretty much at exactly the same moment, it falls because it's steep. And you know, so it gets the fishing rod under the snake and basically flicks the snake up into the air, <laughs> and then it proceeds to fall down the mountainside in a classic sort of uh, comedic sort of boom, ah, ooh, ah, ah, and he's fully down down the mountain. Oh, God. Yes. So Carlos is at the other distance, really wants to catch his snake, so he's just running towards us shouting catch the snake catch the snake and at this point i look at anna and she's gone like white and she hadn't really mentioned before because she also works with this that she really really is nervous about snakes <laughs> and having a sort of meter and a half long venom snake flying towards you <laughs> and obviously at this stage in an extremely angry state yeah. <laughs> is enough to to make anyone go white so she's just standing there like petrified basically and look on her face i mean she was just a ghost 
and and I'm not much better because I just don't have experience in in catching flying birds. <laughs> and so so both of us are just standing there, and so Carlos just comes pounding across the mountainside. It's like a mountain goat that just and he finally just throws himself on it, and uh, I mean really that that what was amazing is the look on his face because he's used to handling little 30 centimeter yeah. and he was just so happy he's holding this huge viper super rare viper yeah. the other course is lying at the bottom of the hill sort of like all beaten <laughs> up blood he's ripped his trousers he's totally yeah because it's all rocks yeah it's all rocks it's like and he really fell he really just fell down the mountainside it was, <laughs> he, he really took a beating and then the, the funniest thing was said of course Biologists, so then we're going to take photographs, we're going to take samples, and we took photos. And um, and so, yeah, I mean, of course, mostly these photos of, say, Carlos and Miguel holding the snake. And then people are like, come on, you've got to have a photo taken with the snake because, after all, you're even there. Anna's still like, you know, her heart's obviously beating like crazy. She's like, I don't really want to even touch it. <laughs> but uh, so they've got a, a picture with, with Anna holding the snake, although, in fact, Carlos is probably still holding the head. Right. Other people are there. And um, they they were asked to send some photographs for publication in some sort of natural history type journals and magazines, Portuguese things. And it was the photo of Anna holding the snake there ended up being published. Oh. <laughs> so this is published photograph of Anna looking extremely nervous. But it was very large snake. Um, but yeah, those are the sort of experiences that uh, that Everyone enjoys. I mean, as the look on after, 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 after. <laughs> poor Miguel, he was really beaten up as well. So it was like one of those days. Yeah, we we were close to ending up taking the hospital or something. He really, he really just fell with such a thing. And uh, <laughs> it was a good day. It was a good snake. No, I know. If you find one of those, your trip is good, right? I mean, that's a super rare snake, and to find a big one like that. Yeah, <laughs> and a snake like that could be like twenty years old. It's amazing. So. You think all of that time it's been out there on that hillside. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful to find. Very but nice. Very pretty. You really <laughs> Yes. <laughs> of course. Oh, of course. We take a, 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 a few drops of blood, our analysis, uh, tip the tail, and those, ta- those snakes go back. Yeah, that's one of the great things about genetic sampling mostly is that yeah, we, we don't need to, to kill animals. No, so that's nice. You can spend your time out in the field, and you can get excited about finding things. Actually, the macro river aren't rare; just they just they're just hard to catch. You don't turn up in collections very often because you know you don't see a lot. I'm, I've seen far more dead ones on the road, sadly. Than I've seen. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I've seen one. Yeah, yeah. only been yeah. yes, it's certainly not not common. And that was the first big dangerous I've seen. Cause you see also the um, Nagas. The classic, I don't know what people would normally consider them as sort of Indian cobras. Yeah. The ones that, that rear up and, and open up. Now that's a serious cobra. There's only one species of cobra in yeah. Morocco, but that's... A... And that's that one you see, uh, but only in the far south. So in, in the rest of Morocco, in the north, mm-hmm. in terms of big venomous snakes, the only one you're going you're gonna to bump into is, is a bit. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a fun snake. And I would love to see one. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad for Zinkoff. He did. 
his picture. He has nice pictures. He's probably got his own pictures in, in other places. But yeah. but the yes, that particular one, it was funny to see Anna because um, she she has she gets nervous handling any snakes. Mm. Uh, in Morocco, there's also another snake which again used to be uh, called Typhlops. It, it it looks more like an earthworm. Yeah, yeah. Really, really tiny, and that's about the only snakes. She doesn't really like having even sort of water snakes or gnat tricks, which are yeah, totally harmless, innocuous, small snake. Even those, she's a little bit nervous about. Ah, uh, Dan, this is a big one. But also, it, it, it makes me think, you know, looking back at some of these old stories, um, makes me realize how uh, we've progressed as herpetologists going to Morocco. Mm. I've been many times with her, and so you get that girl. People like psychology. And see, we're, we were much more amateurish there, you know, because it's close to 20 years ago. Um, but now, far more people have experienced, myself included. Yeah. But in, yeah, I still remember that. It was the first big bent mistake we going to be in, in Morocco. And it was quite an experience. Right. And Morocco has changed quite a lot as well, I imagine. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 particularly the roads is, is something you notice. There used to be almost no highways, just a little bit down the coast. And so driving down to Marrakesh or something like that took days. Um, and you saw everything. You know, you saw people hanging on the backs of outside of buses and dozens of people on tractors, cars driving by lights, oh, yeah. um, which was quite, quite yeah, nerve wracking. Um, whereas Navi basically. You know, European style highway all the way down to you did. So, um, if you stick to the main roads, yeah, uh, Morocco driving, yeah, super easy, super easy. If you go out to the mountains, you can still <laughs> wander down some dirt tracks. <laughs> yeah, because you spend most of your time also in, in high, high up in mountains, right? Yeah, certainly that the high mountains are, are places that there's a lot of unknowns up there. Because people don't go up there so often. So there's a lot of alpine species which are known only from one or two places that are easy to get to. You know, there's a classic place in Kaimaden, which is both a ski resort and they have um, some international telescopes up there. Because, of course, high mountains, clear skies, Mm. not much light pollution. Um, So there, for example, there's a, a nice road right up high into the mountains. And everyone goes there. So the mountain lizards species generally they're known from this kind of place and almost nowhere else. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in um, if it's actually more than one species or just how much variation there is, then you need to go there, of course. And again, I went there on my very first trip to Morocco during my PhD. But also you need to go to the other mountains where there aren't ski resorts and therefore there are no bikes. And you end up uh, just hiking a lot. Yeah. And the the thing is, once you've done a few trips, you start to think that um, driving up mountainous tracks and, and crossing uh, quite difficult terrain is quite easy. So on a, on a later trip, we went and as it happened, there was a conference in, in Marrakesh as well. So we thought, oh, this is really good. We'll... We'll not only go to Morocco to some sampling and take our usual bunch of students to get some experience, but we'll go to the conference as well. Yeah. They can they can get experience on that. So we took more students than we normally would. Okay. 
and we were going to go up a particular mountain that we were looking for to catch uh, these high mountain lizards called Andrianski. It's a very pretty little lizard. I've, I've been working on a lot. But after after a few days already going down, I thought, I'm not sure the students will be able to cope with a really high mountain trip. Was it the students or was it the situation or? No, I think it's just, they, they, it's just, it's just hard. I mean, a lot of students haven't, and this is probably a sad thing that even at university students who are biology students, they haven't been out in the field much. So they don't know what it's like. Um, so, you know, when I say camping, you stop somewhere and you say, we'll put our tent here and sleep. And, and, and people come to you and say, well, where's the bathroom? Yeah. And you say, well, you see that bush over there? That, that's a nice looking bush. I, I'd use that one if I was you. Um, and of course, there's always a few things you can amuse yourself with. As you all know, working a lot with scorpions, and scorpions are quite fun to see out in these places because if you go out at night with a blue light, um, they shine in, in a really unexpected way. The first time I saw it, I was I was definitely impressed. Mm -hmm. It's not what you think a scorpion will do. No. <laughs> In fact, I still don't know why they do it. It's a very un uh, unusual feature, but it's quite striking. So it's quite fun for the students. You you camp you camp out. You say, all right, let's set up our tents. Let's you know we're sitting around getting our food ready, and then you say, oh, come and have a look at this as it gets dark, and you take your 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 dart light shine it around and there are lots of scorpions in these places so sooner or later you're going to see a very very bright uh, scorpion and then of course all the students start to panic because <laughs> they think somehow the scorpions are going to wander into their tents at night so so on, on this particular trip i i i was had a, an experienced postdoc with me daniel isal mm -hmm. done a lot of work with me in morocco and we said all right let's let's split up because we've actually got on this trip, we had so many people, we had two cars. And he said, all right, I will take um, the other experienced people and some of the PhD students, and I'll go up the mountain looking for particular lizard, and you take the students who have no experience uh, or very, very little, and we'll just do a really small, what I thought was a really, really small hike um, on a, I, I wouldn't like to call it a mountain, uh, <laughs> some, some of the hills. Right. Um, there were some species there we were interested in finding we could. So I thought this would be nice. It'd be nice. We'll just, we'll just do it. it literally camp, get up the next day, hike for two, three hours, get to the place. Nice. See if we find anything in a few hours hiking. This should be really straight. But as I said, I was taking only the, the inexperienced. Uh, <laughs> so. You know, we camped. I showed them scorpions, all kind of fun. And then the next morning, I said, "All right, make sure you've all got plenty of water." So you know, carry everyone's got to carry a couple of liters of water with you. It gets hot, pretty open territory, and we we start hiking up there. And and again, I, I picked this as a really easy easy one. Mm -hmm. But again, perhaps by then I've got enough. I I misjudged how much experience I have in Morocco because for a lot of people, when you say you're hiking. Again, it's not trails. It's it's yeah. It's climbing through bushes, and when there's a big rock to go round it or over it, however you're going to do it, it's you get you know, tracks sometimes in places, but it's it's not what many people think of even as hiking mm -hmm. because they're used to hiking on very easy trails which are marked. Yeah, 
apart <laughs> yeah not just cross country yeah um so after after a couple of hours i i checked them and said right, how's it going and uh, i looked and like a lot of people had no water left already oh all right and i was like you, you do realize that you know you've got the water that we all brought we all brought you know a couple of liters if you drunk all your water now <laughs> there is no more water that's just how it goes um and they were like oh yeah and then we, we hiked on a little bit and we got to the place by the time i got there most of them just sort of lay on the ground you couldn't really look really? for lizards yet <laughs> um and then and when is it one of the girls said oh, i can't i can't walk any further and i was like well what what, what do you want me to do you know i'm 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 not going to carry you, yeah. and I assure you, if I leave you here, <laughs> it's not going to go well. So, so, but I mean, it, it astonishes me sometimes that people. I mean, a can't walk, what's really more than two or three hours, and b then then just have no idea that you know you ration your water. Don't just sit down and say I can't walk. <laughs> I mean, really, what they thought I was going to do, I have no idea. Fortunately, I suck my water. I've still got some of my water. You can get some of my water. And I was like, oh, God, I'm glad I'd take these guys up. High map to do it. They would have just died. And we sort of stagger and crawl back to the back. Well, at least it's going down, right? I mean, they should be able to manage that. So, but by then, of course, we, you know, they're, they're all absolutely dying. And uh, we get there and... And there's a like a, a roadside um, little place where the kids sell stuff. I say it's like that. And they haven't got, but they they've got a few things to drink. And one of the things they have is Coca Cola. Of course, it's, it's Morocco. You can't can't get a cold beer. <laughs> and so people get in the car. They're, they're thirsty, so they start drinking. And the young lad in the front seat of the car just takes a large bottle of Coca Cola and starts drugging. Just like blood, 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 blood. I thought that looks it's just kind of weird behavior. But he just blood, blood, blood. And then I looked at it and he just literally vomited into the windscreen. We're fitting in the car. So it's just like <laughs> that's the windscreen of the car. And then glass back over pretty much everything. So we're all just like soaked in Coca-Cola water. I mean it hadn't been in the stomach for very long, but um well, even so we're we're uh, we're all a bit sort of like, it's like, okay, get him out of the car. You know, so we, we, we try, we sit him down by the side of the road. And I suddenly realized these, these kids are really struggling. I mean, you know, I, I thought it was just, um, yeah, kids moaning. Yeah. But, uh, so the, the guy sitting by the, so I was right. Of course, the local Moroccan kids who've been selling us stuff from their little stall by the side of the road will come over to have a look because they're all quite excited about it. It's not often you see. Someone vomit into the window <laughs> over the car from the inside, and and one of the one of the small boys comes up and uh, and he takes some some herbs or something from the side of the road and he's clearly indicating that this is something you should sneer or you know mm-hmm. to, uh, do something with. Of course, we can't understand what they say. They don't speak anything that we can't. But it's very clear that it's an indication that someone who's you know, fainted or something. You ride this and you sniff it here. Like, smelling so, so yeah, exactly that kind of thing. So one of the students obviously also understands this and he, and he takes the smelling stuff, smelly plant, whenever he wants, but no and And holds it up towards the nose of the student who just vomited everywhere. And the student's vomited everywhere. 
I'm still using it. So he, he, he acts like he's going to bite the other person. Starts like snapping at the hand. Like, really? It was just bizarre. Wow, he was really out of it. He was really out. And then uh, Joao Maia, the students were there. And then, you know, he says, he looks at, I mean, you know, I'm now thinking, oh my God, this guy's really, really lost it completely. And Joao looked at me and said, do you think I should give him a massage? I don't know what happened to this kid, but he's, he's completely lost it. Um, so we're like, okay, I mean, I didn't know if it was like dehydration or something worse or what happened. So we, we, he said, after a while, he, he's just sitting there calmly. I said, well, best thing we can do is we'll have to just, let's get out of here. Let's get to a place, a town where there's a hotel or something. Yeah. And load up with water. Maybe go to a pharmacist and get some salts and stuff in case it's, it's some sort of dehydration. Yeah. Um, and started off just sitting in the car and, uh, Especially there's his phone rang. Yeah. So he picks up the phone and, and he starts talking and it's absolute gibberish. It's just, it's not, it's not, it doesn't make any sense. Really? I mean, it's complete gibberish. It was like that half random sentences that didn't make any sense. And then there'd be a pause and then he'd say something else. Poor of your faith. And the strangest thing was, it was actually his parents who called to find out how it was doing. Because we didn't know, yeah. we didn't know who was calling the yeah. Um, but they must have been thinking, like, well, <laughs> is that what's son? Because oh, it has absolutely no... Uh... And then he used to and put the phone away. And we were like, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I suppose the bright side of the story was that we went to a, you know, a small motel in the next town. And yeah. we gave him some salts of water and he laid down 24 hours. And... 24, okay. Okay, it took a long time to get better. But then he was fine, and he totally recovered. Yeah, I mean, I guess he actually did manage to dehydrate. Wow. Um, really unexpected. Yeah. It just goes on sewers. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the reaction was in. And then the worst thing was, of course, we cleaned the car up, as you do. In the yeah. Area. At least, you know, wipe it with baby wipes, because we always have very something not much to do. But, um... What we forgot is that we just sort of cleaned up. It looked fine. And then a few days later, somebody opened the glove compartment. <laughs> and it was one of these sort of plastic ones with a, with a sort of cup shape at the bottom. So basically, what had rolled down the windscreen and actually just flowed in there was still there. So we had this five or six day old sticky bottom to the to the glove compartment. Like a bottle of Coke. But with Coke vomit. Yeah. And it's amazing how it'll back. You know, it's amazing how much... You know, a liter or two of coke hitting windscreen and bouncing back into the car. Are you been so while Oh, so yeah. I mean, so that was, and that was, and I was thinking, I wasn't really sure to think to myself. Well, I'm glad I didn't take them on the difficult hike. Yeah. yeah. Or I was like, maybe I should, maybe my difficult hikes now are uh, a really difficult. Even a media hike is 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 too much. Wow. So, yeah, that was that was an unusual day. That's, I think that's a, we haven't had anyone have to be hospitalized. Um, we've had a few. I mean, I smacked a couple of fingers and still got some scars. Somebody dropped a rock on my hand. And we've had a few close shaves, but I think that was probably the closest I've been to thinking, right, this diet doesn't get better. Especially the talking gibberish. Yeah, it was just most peculiar. And he had no idea. He was talking 
afterwards and said, like, do you remember? And you said, no, I don't know what happened. I just lost. Wow. Okay. And so now with the students, you have... Yeah, now, now we... Yes, now we do the sensory start, at least for the first couple of days. Because as I said, or, and I think this is also part of the important things, never never take a whole bunch of students and be the only experienced person. Because it's, it, it's really handy if you've got someone else there to just debate things with. Because I was like, okay, do I need to take him to a hospital? If so, what am I if, if this gets worse, what's my idea? And it's really hard if you're the only person there. Because there was no point asking the other students because they were all basically in shock. Yeah. Except giving mass up. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was, I was, I, then I was thinking, all right, from now on, I think that's a plan with field work. When we take, if you take a card, I always try and take one total student who's never been anywhere. To do anything, and then another student's got a little bit of experience and then at least one other sort of well-experienced person. Mm. And then, you, you know, you've got people to discuss things with. Yeah. Um, and it means it's just easier. If you have people in the middle as well, like PhD students, then then you don't get a sort of divide between the people with no experience and the sort of older people like myself. Right. So, yeah, learn, learn, learn things from trips, even when it's, it's not from myself that's having there. <laughs> Well, but it's really, I mean, you're really out there uh, in, in the Atlas Mountains. It could take a day to drive out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. I mean, for the high, high mountains. So that, on that trip, while we were doing the, the easy hike, um, the other people tried to get up the mountain and, and basically failed because the problem with the, this particular mountain we were trying to find, we just couldn't find a good road even halfway up. So you end up... Um, parking the car at still, let's say, you know, 1,800 meters. And if you want to get up to 3,500 meters, that's a really high park. And most of the time, once you get higher, there's no water. That's the thing. I mean, you can carry a sleeping bag. You can carry food. You can carry uh, all the stuff you need. It's the water that kills you because you need liters of the stuff. Right? It's really heavy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, so I think I don't know if you're the following year after that trip, we said, right, we got it, we got to get up this mountain, just got to do it. So we're just going to take some more experienced people, and and we're going to hike up there. And even there, it was it was it was quite difficult to just get up the small dirt tracks to get mm-hmm. to the base of the cliff, and we kept looking for new dirt tracks to get a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd really struggled a bit. It's hard to find the tracks. We've got a puncture three quarters. And so we had to stop. So by the time we we got the car as far as we could go, and so not drive any further, we're gonna, we're, we're just going to have to start hiking from here. We were already a bit stressed because it'd taken longer than coat. Stupid puncture slowed us down. The jack we had with the carbs rubbish, you know the usual things. So so we get out. So right, let's just hike it. We can do this. And we had a plan early in the morning. Just slept there by the car. And we thought, all right, we can just basically hike up for a day, sleep, another day up there, and then we'll come back down. Probably just a morning because it's coming down much faster. So it's it's not gonna be that long, but we've got to take everything. So, you know, we've got the things to we thought the species might be any species, so we take calipers to measure it with, and choose alcohol for the samples and all the bits and bobs you need, the cameras and things like that. Hey, you know, 
okay, how are we going to walk this? Is, right? You're going to carry the tanks. Yes, that's okay, right? You and you are carrying water. We've got tons of water. We've got many problems with water. Yeah, everything's fine. Got all the equipment we need. Yeah, everything's got ready. But we really wanted to get started. So we, you know, we everyone's like, there's five of us. And we're like, okay, we can all sleep in one tent for that short period of time. It's going to be a total squeeze, but we can do it. And we start. And, uh, and the, the hike's not too bad to begin with. It's, you know, so it, it's a proper trek. Mm-hmm. And probably after we've been hiking for sort of four or five hours, there was still like a little hut with some shepherds and they were there. And people are incredibly nice in those sort of rural places. They are sea people coming through. So they were sort of, oh, you know, again, not speaking, but showing with their gestures, you know, do you want to sit and eat some bread with us or whatever? That'll be good. We're going to get up these mountains. We're still going. So we, yeah, very nice. Rest up a little bit as you do and keep hiking up. We keep hiking. Keep hiking. And you're absolutely exhausted. I mean, that, that day of hiking up mountains mm-hmm. is always the killer. But, you know, we've taken experience people this time. We, we know what we're doing. We get there and we get pretty high. We're not right where we want to be, but we could probably be there in a couple more hours tomorrow. So we've done the vast majority of the hike. We've destroyed ourselves climbing up this mountain. We'll sleep and we'll go on to so uh, let's let's get organized. We get the tent out, I think. And then Mafalda, who was a PhD student who was working on a particular species, and she said, All right, uh, and we got to say, Okay, where's all the stuff? We've got the cooking stuff. And she said, James, okay, where's the food? I was like, All right, I don't know. Maybe that bag, maybe that bag. And then we're looking around. And then she said, No, James, where's the food? And I was like, All right, I've got, I've got some bad news. <laughs> we brought everything, except we forgot to bring any food. And of course, Mafalda just doesn't. She's just James. It's not funny. It's not funny anymore. Where's the food? And I'm like, all right. So, um, no, we forgot the food. <laughs> so, so we with this is the experience. People, we know what. So I was like, well, I've got like you know, a packet of sweets in my pocket, which you know, I'm carry on the way up. Anyone else got anything? And they, um, Danielle says, well, um, actually, because I'm sure this is going to be a new species. And, and everything. So I, as well as all the stuff I was supposed to carry, I also snuck into my bag a bottle of wine and an Italian sausage because I wanted uh, this to be, when we get the new species, we're going to have Italian sausage and a bottle of wine. <laughs> so I'm like, right. So basically, for the next few days, <laughs> what we got, what we got is like an Italian sausage and like half a packet of sweets. And, and my father, of course, and I'm vegetarian. <laughs> so so we're like well what can we do I mean, thin slice of sausage everybody <laughs> that's your dinner oh, breakfast thin slice of sausage everybody that's my bread it, it was quite hard um but then so we 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 hiked up the next little bit of the mountain the next morning and the good news was lo and behold the little lizards were there and then this is about our third trip trying to get up this mountain. So we we're super happy. And, and it was what we were looking for. And it probably is a new species. We still haven't described it, but it probably is. Um, and so Dennis and I, let's get, get the bottle of wine open. Let's drink that because we found the thing. And it looks a bit different and we're sure it will be something different. So so let's celebrate. As I have to admit, when you're at you know, three and a half thousand meters, 
and you haven't eaten it for a day and a half. It's amazing what happens when you drink a bottle of wine. You can really feel... I don't think I've ever felt so drunk on a quarter of a bottle of wine because it really was empty stomach. Yes. So we, we drank a bottle of wine. We've got some reasons to live. Just, we don't need to stay a whole second day. Hype back down. So we managed to... We spent that afternoon hiking back down. So in the end, it was only two days we were eating it. Wasn't that bad still, but um, yeah, experienced hepatologists take everything with them, forget <laughs> that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, so I'd like to say I've actually improved from you know, the first trip where I, I flying snake, I didn't know what to do, to full ability by the egg, but no, I, I still forgot. Kind of important, <laughs> one of those things, but yeah. Blasted. So certainly we we we've, we've had some fun in Rock. When was that? That would have been. I mean, Mafalda was here. She she stopped around 2015. So I think it would be about 2012. Oh. So there's probably about 10 years between the first trip and the, and the last of them. But yeah, as I said, we we carried on, yeah. and there's certainly been. Well, I see your your repair on the car. And I'm not sure if I'm supposed to tell stories with you. In that was a nice. That was a good repair. So at one point we were. We often don't have quality vehicles here at CBO, <laughs> so we we trying to go up the mountains with with a Renault Kangoo, basically, which which is a good little car. Surprising, but um, yeah. you can rip the bottom out of it, bouncing over big rocks on dirt tracks that nobody sensible would take anything except a four wheel drive. Um, <laughs> and one time we were driving along, Gary was there, and uh, suddenly people are like, "I'm smelling a lot of petrol," <laughs> and we stopped the car, and we're on a dirt track. That Obviously, not another car is going to come by. Oh, I remember us been out, and uh, and there's petrol pouring out, uh, pouring out of the fuel line. And yeah, you you got out of there with the pliers and got some. And I think we just had like sellotape, wooden sellotape. No, we don't, I, we have to, oh, you had some actual tape, some, actual, some good tape, yeah. and we taped it up, up and we thought, oh, that'll get us to the next village. And in fact, it goes all the way back to Portugal. Yeah. So it, it worked very well. So uh, I don't think we even told the people here that. No, I think just thought, well, that's fine. Never your right. Good little repair job. So are you going again this year? Yeah, let's see. I'm not sure. I mean, um, I've got a lot of field work. This Normally, that's great. It's, it's still my preferred time of year. Um, but I have been later. In the summer, it's very hot. And, and we don't need to go in it that hot. So I prefer not to. And in the autumn, sometimes it can be good. A lot of people like going in the autumn. Um, and this spring, I've got a lot of field work to do here in Portugal, but I have got some new master students that need their initiation. Yeah. So I think I'm, I might try and go in the, in September, uh, just to, even if it's just a short trip, just so that they get their, get their experience, get some more stories to tell. Let them practice a bit walking up hills before Zach. Make sure they, make sure they take sensible boots. Cause I mean, you tell people. 10 times over, take sensible boots, and they think, I bought my tennis shoes. I thought that was good shoes. <laughs> They're like, not, not exactly. No, no. <laughs> not, not, not the ideal foot. Yeah, you've got to be walking on sharp rocks for two weeks in a row. Yeah. Pretty. Right. James, thanks a lot. That was, was a pleasure. Feminist about rocks. I hadn't heard those stories yet. So, uh, and we, I know there's a lot more where that came from. There are a few. Yeah, I will look forward to hearing some of the other two. You're recording at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let you. Nice. Yeah, bye.